Come on, make yourself at home. Turn that on. I'm just going to ask Lois a couple of questions just to warm her up, ease her in. She's a little bit nervous. You're quite an intimidating crowd. This morning, I think we we're about eight people. So tonight is no, we're a bit more. She's not on. Is she on? You're on mute. You're on mute. Hello, one, two. Is that loud enough? <laughs> one, two. One, so two, unnecessary. three. One, two, three. Yeah, you are a very intimidating crowd. I had like 15 people at the 10.30. And you did so well. Thank Lois, you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself. Yourself. How long have you been coming to... I don't know why I did that. Sorry. <laughs> why did you come? Why are you here? How long have you been here? Why? Well, you actually invited me, Pat. Okay. Um, but I've been coming since... I think it was the second week after St. Dee's started. Um, so about a year and a half, I think. Excellent. And what's, what's happened in that year and a half? I think you've had some sort of exciting life moments. I did. I got married to a really attractive guy in the third row. <laughs> Put your hand up, please. Give us a wave, Johnny. It's my Just, better uh, half. Sorry, ladies. There he is. That's the one. Um, anyway, yeah, congratulations. I, I mean, that, that's probably the most pivotal thing that's happened in the last year and a half. Just in, the, in, the, or in your life as my well. Life and close. what do you do in life? I mean, what have you done in the past? How do we know each other? You were very involved at a previous church. Yes, I was involved at Holy Trinity Brompton, home of Alpha, um, with Pat. So we both worked in an office together. Lots of banter, obviously. Oh, I'm louder. Hello. Um, I was doing the children's work and Pat was doing students. So we, I preached to kids, um, but not to adults. So childlike faith. There's a lot of children in here, believe me, That's looking good. around the room. <laughs> um, so what do you get up to now? What are you doing these days? I work for a charity that my parents set up about 17 years ago. So they work in partnership with governments in Asia, helping to place orphans back into families. You can tell I say that line a lot. Um, and so I do fundraising, things like events, and we're doing a Bear Grylls 5K race, which I think some of you are involved with. Woo-woo, advocates. <laughs> Um, and so just basically raising money so that we can help more children be placed into families. And um, so far, we've seen 300,000 orphans be placed back into families in China and Thailand. So wow. it's a real privilege to work for my parents under their calling. That is amazing. Just remind us of the name of the charity again. Care for Children. Care for Children. Yeah. Look it up. Fantastic. It is amazing work that uh, they and you do. And when you're not sort of working and sort of helping kids, uh, what do you like to get up to in your spare time? Hmm. I feel like I'm on blind date or something. Um, no, that, that's done and dusted too. Yeah, late, that's I'm true, actually. Um, yeah, so play netball on a Monday with some people from St. D's, which is quite fun. Woo! Although we've just finished. See some hands if you're a netballer in here from the mixed St. D's team. Boo. I think we lost every game, but next season, let's do it. Every game you were in, oh, no. maybe. Yeah, maybe the ones we I got, was We've had a winning streak of three we games one, in a win. row, haven't we? Pat actually got sent off on like, the first game, I think. I that's a lie. I didn't. I got a warning. I didn't get sent off. You need to take a break. I just didn't. There's a, conf, there's a difference of opinion over the rules. Uh, she knew them and I didn't. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so what a little else? bit of netball, hanging out with friends, pastor on Tuesday. Love my home group. It is the highlight. Or life group. Yeah, life group. Sorry, life group, home group. Yeah, it's, it's a real highlight for Johnny and I. We love being part of it. So that's, that's great. Um, hanging out with friends. Just, I don't know, travel a lot with the charity. Sort of well, it sounds like an exciting life you lead. Why don't we pray for you? And that then would you be can, great. Um, get into your message. Why don't you yeah. stretch out a hand to Lois? Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your daughter, our sister, Lois, Lord, for how you've made her, all the passions you've given her, Lord, all the gifts you've put inside of her. We just pray 
Lord, that tonight you would come and anoint her right now. Holy Spirit, would you quicken her and bring through her the message you want us to receive tonight, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you're here with us. Would you bless her as she speaks, Lord, and bless us as we listen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pat. And Pat and obviously Joe and Tim, as you are head of this church and pastor of the flock, if there's anything I say that you disagree with, feel free to step in. But beware. No. So as Pat introduced, um, this summer series we've been looking at faithful men and women of the Bible. And representing the ladies, I'll be looking at faithful Ruth from the Old Testament. So if you guys have Bibles, it'd be good to open them to the book of Ruth, which I think is the eighth book of the Bible. Two five five, says Pastor Pat. So just as an introduction, Ruth was an unlikely character to be put on the list of Jesus' ancestors. But she's there and the Lord showed favour on her. Now I believe that the Lord blessed Ruth for her faithfulness, not her background or her birthright. She's a great woman to look at today as in the end we want to hear well done, good and faithful servants. Not successful, not famous, not respected, but faithful. So what was it that set Ruth apart and leads to her becoming the grandmother of King David and an ancestor of our greatest King Jesus? As we read different bits of the book of Ruth, I'll take a look at three characteristics of Ruth that we can all emulate. Now obviously I know I'm talking about a woman, but I believe you guys can learn from her as well, hopefully. So I'm going to start by reading the first few verses of chapter one so we can get a background of what's happened in Ruth's life and where where we're at. So it says, in the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were from Bethlehem in the land of Judah, and when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other married a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone, without her two sons or her husband. So we see here that Ruth is a widowed Moabite woman. I don't know if you know anything about Moab, but it was... It was a depraved place. It was a place where people worshipped other idols, where they did what they thought in their own eyes was seen as good. They did not worship God, and God saw them as as being a rejected people. So we see that um, Ruth's husband has died, meaning that Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah are without their provision, and they're essentially facing poverty. So in those days, men would provide for the woman, um, and the other children of the family. So essentially, when you remove the man, you're faced with a pretty bleak situation. After leaving Moab for Judah, Naomi soon tells her daughter-in-laws to return home so that they can remarry and be provided for, as she could promise them nothing ahead. It then says that Orpah kissed Naomi goodbye and left, but Ruth clung on to her mother-in-law and said these famous words, 
Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So what Ruth is essentially saying here is that she's willing to go to an unknown land, an unknown people group, and essentially an unknown language. If we think about it, they're probably all the things I'd say we could potentially be afraid of. I know I am. The unknown. There was an opportunity here for fear to come into Ruth and Naomi. I just want to share a story. A couple of years ago, after months of prompting from God, I decided to head off to Hong Kong and work with a lady called Jackie Pullinger. Now, not many people know how scared I was on that day as I traveled to the airport, but I really was quite fearful, to the point that I, I'm pretty sure I said to mum and dad, I don't know if I can do this, can we go home? I don't want to get on the plane. Anyway, my mum had prayed for me that morning and said she had a picture of me heading towards the departure gate, turning around and running back. But then she said she saw Jesus enter, turn me back towards the departure gate and give me a little kick up the bum and say, go on, get on with it. I was fearful. Who's Jackie Pullinger? Pat would like to know. Just, just so you all know, Jackie Pullinger is a woman who works out in Hong Kong. She left in 1960 to be a, to be a missionary. She got on a boat. God told her to get off at Hong Kong. And since 1960, she's been ministering to drug addicts and prostitutes. Um, she now has a home set up for men and women where people can go out and spend some time helping and serving. So essentially, like I said, it was full of fear. It was an unknown land. It was an unknown people. I did not speak the language. I had never worked with a drug addict in my life. It was pretty scary. I didn't know if I was going to be able to do the tasks requested of me. And I'd say the only thing that got me on that plane was a deep sense that this was what God wanted and that I had to trust him. Little did I realize then that although it was definitely tough at times, it was the most faith-building, exciting year of my life. So when we look at Ruth, I don't think she was just wandering aimlessly with her mother-in-law. I think she knew what she had to consider. I think she knew where she was going, and I think she knew what she was leaving behind. She had more promise back in Moab. But we see here from Ruth that she was choosing to trust God no matter the bleakness of her situation. It says, where I will go where you go. Your God will be my God. She'd come to trust in the God of Naomi. And she trusted God so much that she would rather follow him than return home to her family. This is the first characteristic of Ruth that sets her apart. It's her deep trust and hope in the Lord. And I want to ask you all, how many of us are actually willing to leave behind our own families and friends to trust and pursue God? Are there things you might be choosing over God? Marriage and security, for example. I'll put my hands up. I used to be a young girl in my 20s, expecting to be married at 21, 22. I definitely idolized it. And I think going to Hong Kong was a real breaking point for me personally. It was saying, do you know what? I'm not likely to marry a drug addict, so there's not much hope out there, but I'm going to trust you, Lord, and go. Now, as we see, Orpah actually didn't do anything wrong in the eyes of the world. And you could even say she was being sensible by returning home. But think about every time you've acted in faith. 
The whole reason we have to have faith is precisely because it doesn't seem like the sensible option. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Do you know that faith and trust are one of the most frequent things that we are commanded to have and do in the, new, in the Bible? In fact, the word faith appears 254 times, which is more than the word love, which appears 232 times in the New Testament. God's pretty serious about us having faith and trust in him. So yes, Orpah returned home with the chance to marry instead of going with Naomi and Ruth. But essentially, when we look at her seemingly sensible decision, she compromised. She returned home and would have probably married a Moabite, one of God's rejected people or not chosen. God had actually commanded the Israelites not to marry outside of Israel because he didn't want them being influenced by people who were idol worshippers. So a simple decision we think Orpah made was in fact a big one. And you'll notice that from that point on, we never hear of Orpah again in the Bible. I want to ask you, are you willing to be Ruth or Orpah? Are you willing to be Ruth and choose God over security and marriage? Are we holding off on God while we wait for something else? Maybe some of us here are facing bleak circumstances like Naomi and Ruth. You're feeling fearful. You don't know what's ahead. It's the unknown. Maybe you feel you've been handed a bitter hand by God, just one thing after another. Where is God? Are you still going to trust him despite your circumstances? You see, when God may seem the farthest from you, he may be setting the stage for the greatest display of his faithfulness. So moving on to chapter two. Ruth and Naomi eventually end up back in Judah. Ruth takes initiative to fulfill her commitment to Naomi and she goes out to tend the fields and provide. Now Ruth knows how to take initiative without being presumptuous. She doesn't demand a handout. She does not demand to be hired or presume the right to glean. And gleaning, by the way, is basically our day's food bank. It was literally picking up the last bits and bobs. And it says a little bit further on in chapter 2, verse 5, if you want to follow. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there and who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. We see here from Ruth that all she wants is the leftovers, and she doesn't even assume she has the right to pick them up. She asks permission from the servants. Sun up to sundown she works. She is a woman of great initiative and great humility, which is the second amazing characteristic of Ruth, her humility. Boaz rewards her humble heart, and it says in verse 8 onwards, Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young woman working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly, and when you are thirsty, help yourself to water that they have drawn from the well. And Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. And look at the way that Ruth responds to Boaz. It's with astonishment. 
she expresses a great sense of unworthiness. I once heard John Piper say, humble people, when they are shown mercy and grace, are made more humble. Now, we all know that most people today in our Western world are astonished when they're mistreated. Arrogance and pride is the name of the game today, and the millennial generation is particularly accused of feeling entitled. Do we fit that boat? But we see here from Ruth that she expects no special treatment. Boaz responds to Ruth, Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Now, I want to dwell on that last statement. Under those wings, you have come to take refuge. Excuse me. This bit, I think, is key of the whole chapter of Ruth, and I think this is why, actually, God honoured Ruth. There is deep humility in this verse. Now, Boaz has seen in Ruth that she lives a life recognising her need for God. God is the eagle, and we are under his wings. We are not flying the course. He is, and we humbly and simply seek refuge. Now, that doesn't mean that an eagle is always resting and stagnant and we are under him. Sometimes the eagle moves and we have to choose whether we'll follow. It just makes me think of the Pharisees and all they had to do was humble themselves, didn't they? And come under the wings of God. But it was just too humiliating to become little chicks. He wants us to need him to find refuge in him and to follow him no matter the cost. Another challenge, maybe you need to join Ruth today and humble yourself under the wings of God. Can you accept that you need him and that you're just a little chick? So now we come to the final two chapters of Ruth. If you want to go to chapter three and four, just have a peek. And we see that her trust in the Lord and her hard-working, humble heart are rewarded, which brings me to my third and final characteristic of Ruth, and that's her courage. Now, a little personal story. You all know I got married eight months ago. But for those of you um, yeah, that might not know a little bit of our story, some of you do, our close friends. I met Johnny at Focus, I think two years ago. Previous Focus has just gone, so it was two years ago we met. And we were set up by a friend, and we had a couple of good chats. There was a little bit of initiation. There was interest. And we had arranged to um, meet that weekend and go on a boat trip in Norfolk, which is where I was staying. So I went home to Norwich and awaited his text message to invite me. But unfortunately, it never came. Yeah, come on. Aw. And look at him with evil light. No, I'm joking, dude. It gets better. So yes, yet again, I wondered whether my vivacious chats about God had just put him off a little bit. Maybe, you know, just a bit too much. I'm a bit like that. Um, but later on that week, I was having a chat with my dad in the living room. Dads can be really good for this sort of stuff. Having just a chat with him about whether I had met any nice men. Essentially, I was, what, 25, 26, and he was probably trying to get me out of the house. But he was saying, you know, did you meet any nice guys at Focus? And I said, well, yeah, there was one, Johnny Hall, amongst 30 others. No, I'm joking. It was only one. 
So there was this guy called Johnny Hall, quite liked him. He was due to invite me on a boat trip, and I never heard back from him. He never texted me. My dad's like, oh, who cares? Just add him on Facebook. Chill out, you know? What's the big deal? You guys have got this Facebook thing now, so just go for it. Easy, you know, easy way to get in touch. Yeah, that was a... Um, and so, obviously, I sat there being a bit like, oh, come on, I don't want to be the pursuer. Men are meant to pursue women, blah, 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 blah. Why do I have to sort of take the initial um, step? And I had a choice, didn't I? Whether I was going to humble myself and have a little bit of courage, or whether I was going to say, no, do you know what, he should pursue me. But I actually clicked the friend request sent. And little did I know, Johnny was sitting at home in London with his housemate, Andy, who's in the house, whoop. Um, and, yeah, he was sitting at home, obviously got his friend request through, and he was wondering why had, he hadn't heard from me after the two texts he'd sent. So Johnny had sent me two messages. Unfortunately, they'd got lost. Some sort of, maybe, spiritual attack. Um, <laughs> we like to think that. But the Lord comes through in all situations. So the friend request came through. Johnny obviously received it, and a couple of days later sent me a message, went on our first date, and now we're married. Now, I tell you this story because a splash of courage can help a situation remarkably. So we see in chapter 3 that Naomi decides it's time for Ruth to find herself a permanent home, and she suggests the following risky plan. Now, do as I tell you. Take a bath, put on perfume, and dress in your nicest clothes. Now, if we picture Ruth in the threshing field with her hair tight back, sweating, just not really looking enticing, Naomi's obviously saying, look, you need to just spice it up a little bit. <laughs> so, after her instructions, she says, be sure to go notice where he lies down and then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. It's not risky. I've researched it. Ask me after if you don't. It's not weird, I promise. But, but it is risky, sorry, but it's not dirty. Anyway, not for church. <laughs> Ruth says, I will do everything you say. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. This is Ruth's first batch of boldness and courage. She responds to Naomi's plan by saying, I'll do it. I want you to imagine what could have been going through Ruth's head as she considered laying at Boaz's feet. What if he rejects me? What if he tells other people I came here? What if he wants nothing more to do with me? Probably a little bit like what I was thinking when I sent the friend request, but she's having the same sort of thoughts. I'm sure we all have them at times. It then says that after Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. Now, back in chapter 2, verse 12, I think you heard me quote that um, Boaz says to Ruth, May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you've done. So essentially what Ruth is saying here is answer that prayer, Boaz, and take me under your wings so that I might be blessed. Some of the translations actually say it, and your translation might say it. It says, spread your blanket over me. Now, putting a blanket over a woman in those days was a way of giving a woman a ring to be married. Personally, I prefer my diamond. <laughs> Don't know about you guys. 
<laughs> Johnny tried with the blanket. I said no. <laughs> Got the diamond, no. So what she's doing is she's presenting the idea of marriage to him. She's not proposing. She's saying, look, you can redeem this situation. I'm going to present you with the idea. What do you think? And we see that in her boldness and risk, she is rewarded. Boaz is a good man, and he does end up redeeming Ruth and marrying her. And I could well do a big, long talk on the honorable and integral Boaz, but I'll leave that to you, Pat. So yes, Boaz redeems the widowed Moabite Ruth. And we see the story finishes with the blessing of a son whose name appears alongside King David and Jesus. Now one just important thing I want to say is that throughout the Bible we have pictures that are leading to Christ our Redeemer. Ruth is essentially us in this story. Boaz is the Redeemer. Boaz is like Christ. And so Ruth has this negative background. She's a Moabite woman. She's seen without favor from the Lord, but instead she chooses to trust. She follows him. She humbly serves. She plucks up courage, and the Lord blesses her, and Boaz redeems her. And, and it's the same for us. When we trust the Lord and we choose to give our lives to him, he redeems our life out of the pit. This is just simply a picture of his great faithfulness. This is simply a picture of what is to come. So yeah, like I said, Ruth starts out life in a corrupt and depraved city as a Moabite girl. We see that she finishes well as a woman of faith who is honored for her trust in the Lord, her servant-hearted humility, and her courage in playing her part in history. And the last thing I just want to leave you with is I want you to remember that it's not how we start, but it's how we finish. And my prayer for all of you today is that when you finish, you will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Shall we pray? Yeah, Father, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that it is a gift to us, Lord God, that it is powerful and living and true. I want to thank you that this story is active now, that we have a redeemer. He has come, and he has come for all mankind. And Father, I just pray that we would, yeah, we would learn from this faithful woman, Ruth, that we would learn to trust you despite our circumstances that we would learn to trust you despite the callings of security and family. And Father, I pray that we would be humble as well, that we would, we would humble ourselves and come under your wings, that we would choose to be chicks. And finally, Lord, I pray that you would give us courage to answer the calling on our lives. I pray that you would give us courage to step out. And so, God, we just give you this time now. And if there are some of us, Lord, that will repent before you, Lord, or that will come before you, I just pray that you would bring transformation in this place. I pray that you would remind us of what it means to be faithful. So we just give you this time now, Lord, and we thank you for your word. And I just pray that we would dwell on it this week. In your mighty name, amen. we stand thank you Lois
Amazing. Yeah, if the band want to come back up, we're just going to just take a moment to just respond and invite the Spirit of God to search our hearts, to move among us, to, to do what He wants to do, really. We've got some time, some space to do that. So let's just uh, welcome the Spirit of God afresh. He's here already. But we pray that ancient prayer of the church. Come Holy Spirit. Come Spirit of God. Move among us. Search our hearts. Let's just keep waiting. More of you, Lord. We know this is not dead time. This is time that is full of life. have a sense tonight um, you know God wants to meet with us in all kinds of different ways and touch us bless us but just have a specific sense that the Lord is here tonight to break fears off of people you know Ruth had the choice husband had died to listen to the voice of fear and choose another security or listen to the voice of faith and choose to follow hold on to the Lord and it's the same for us and many here tonight you know there's a fear in your life and it keeps you holding on and you're afraid to let go and the Lord tonight by a spirit wants to break off fears that could be anything so we're going to want to pray for you and the second area I, I sense is just the Lord wants to release callings tonight you know Ruth didn't have no idea woman of humble origins had no idea that her story would be remembered down through the ages that she would be counted as an ancestor of Jesus himself I mean what a destiny and the Lord has a destiny for each one of us and the Lord wants to release callings and destinies tonight 
And so in a moment we're going to want to pray. But there may also be some other just words the Lord speaks to all of us. We like to make space to hear from him through one another. So if you, if you sense you've got a word, a picture...